Hello and welcome to level 32 of Three Extra Lives, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host, Tom Knight. Hello, 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 my dear, dear friends. How are you doing this week? I hope you're all doing well. And I just want to say that if you didn't hang around for the end of the last level, if you didn't wait for the outro to fade and the dragon-powered studio sounder to finish, then you missed out on a little blooper reel, which I may or may not put at the end of every level of Three Actual Lives. The only way you're going to know is if you listen to the end. And if there isn't one, you're going to be sorely disappointed or maybe relieved. I don't know, but I thought I'd just tell you that for your information that at the end of every level of Three Actual Lives going forward, there may or may not be a blooper reel. So there you go. Consider yourself informed as we get on with the show. What were you doing 15 years ago? What do you mean you can't remember? Because I remember what I was doing 15 years ago. I was downloading a little piece of software called Steam and I was installing a little game called Half-Life 2. Yes, Half-Life 2 is 15 years old. I can hardly believe it. Wow, just thinking back of the outrage of having to download the likes of Steam and using that to access a game. How times have changed, where many PC gamers are now outraged if the game isn't on Steam. Change can be received in many different ways and now it's deemed the norm and actually and it's it's mere coincidence that as I include this story about Half-Life as of recording there is a pending announcement for Valve that they're going to be announcing a next installment for Half-Life which is going to be a flagship VR title now as I say as of recording I don't know what that is when you're listening to this back we're all gonna know and yay that sounds great but I just want to go back to the events of Half-Life 2 and how that game changed so much and original Half-Life came out in 1998 and Half-Life 2 came out in November 2004 so it wasn't quite the 15 year wait that we are currently in with regards to a Half-Life sequel. It introduced like I said the, the Steam software and the Source engine packaged with a heavily modified version of the Havoc physics engine which allowed so much more interactivity with the game you could pick up a can and put it in the bin and you know that was like oh my god I can like pick up a crate and put something in the crate and bounce something within the crate it's just it was mind-blowing to anybody that had played first-person shooters or just video games really that they were coming into Half-Life 2 with this new physics engine and suddenly things had just got a heck of a lot more realistic and for me that was a big a really big moment in video games for me and I think Half-Life 2 looking back on it even now and I'm to be honest I played it fairly recently within the last three or four years I'm calling that recent and it still holds up so well it's such a fantastic experience to go through and story-wise it's right up there and I know Half-Life 3 has turned into a bit of a meme of when is it coming when will it arrive but I've always felt the games that come out of Valve are of a particular quality choosing to ignore artifact in this statement but if we had to wait 15-20 years for the next Half-Life game but it, it takes that 
step, that revolutionary step that Half-Life 2 did with Half-Life 1, then I think it's worth the wait. I don't think we just always need sequel after sequel after sequel because sometimes that just lose meaning. I think there's a lot of hype surrounding what will come next for Half-Life and a lot of expectation because it's been so long. But the journey of Half-Life and just the fact that 15 years ago Half-Life 2 came out and it was so it was such a jump in what we were previously playing with and and doing so really changed the the dynamics I would say of of what came next because with Half-Life 2 we also saw the likes of Portal, we saw the likes of Team Fortress 2, we saw a new Counter-Strike. It was a really momentous occasion 15 years ago where maybe some of you picked up the orange box which included all those games bundled up nicely together and 15 years of Half-Life 2. I can't believe it. Do you have any fond memories of Half-Life 2? Maybe you haven't even played Half-Life 2 because there is people out there that haven't, you know, you, you exist. That's okay. You've still got it to look forward to and like I said, it holds up really, really well. So you can just go and pick that up for peanuts now and enjoy that experience. You don't really need to have played the original Half-Life to have gone into Half-Life 2 and you're you wake up to find that the alien combine have taken over the world and you join a resistance team and you're fighting to, to save humanity through various levels and one in particular where you go to Raven's home which is like this haunted-esque Resident Evil style old town that's full of creatures let's just say and you get this object manipulating gun called the gravity gun and this is just where Half-Life 2 blew me away where you have this gun that can just pull objects and fire objects and it was just revolutionary at the time to experience Half-Life in its its glorious entrance and like I say if you haven't played Half-Life 2 if you've never picked it up then you really are missing out on a slice of history and I know that Valve don't really take the opportunity to wish their games happy birthday but you know what I'm gonna say happy birthday Half-Life 2 because you gave us a lot of great memories and you would still give us great memories if you go back and play that now because it holds up so well so happy birthday Half-Life 2 the cake is not a lie I hope you enjoy it and who knows where we're going next it's trivia time so this one's a bit unfair if you haven't played Half-Life 2 because it's a Half-Life 2 question. Ooh, I can already hear the groans, but don't worry, it's multiple choice. Name the city that you begin in at the start of Half-Life 2. Is it City 7, City 17, or City 27? The answer is... City 17. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. Up next on 3 Extra Lives, I'm talking to you about Vector, which is a fast-paced runner where your goal is to survive by the skin of your teeth. You get in your ship, you push the throttle on max, rip it out of the console, and then try to survive for as long as possible. I came across this game on Steam in the free-to-play section. I was very quickly at home 
playing this game. Like I said, it's fast-paced. You're dodging obstacles. You're collecting lives. You're hitting various jumps in the game to fly over obstacles. Sometimes there's a pathway on the ceiling that you can connect to, and you're scoring points. There's this constant leaderboard that you can see as you're playing, and it's ticking upwards, and you can see your position in the high score, which is something I haven't seen before in a game like this. Usually, if the game has like online leaderboards, it would be at the end when you're all said and done, you would take a look and see how far you got, see where you placed. But this is happening in real time. There's ghosts of other racers that have come before you and it's just really thrilling to play because you've, you've got this soundtrack that's selectable as well and it really just complements this game. Also let me just say it's procedurally generated and the map that you're racing on it changes every day. You're never gonna turn this game on two days in a row and it's gonna be the same. So I was very fortunate to have a little exchange with the developer of Vector on Twitter and it's inspired a completely new segment for this show, which is called Three Questions for the Developer. Now you know me, I make up these segment names on the fly and this one is just great because we can abbreviate that to something really easy to say like TQFTD. Wonderful. I send across three questions to the developer who's known as Taranassus. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. And I started with question one, where, which obviously you would do. And I said, what was the inspiration behind Vector? Taranassus said, honestly, it's a bit strange. I wanted to make a game. I don't know what I wanted to make. I just wanted to make a game really badly and it looked fun. So he made a cube and then he made that cube go left and right. And then he thought, you know what? That's not very exciting. So he made a track and there he had a cube on a track. He played a game a while ago called Race the Sun, which I played and definitely could see some of the inspiration from that game in this game. He wanted to make a game that was like Race the Sun, but it's not Race the Sun. He wanted to make it its own thing. More inspiration behind Vector was that he wanted to be arcadey, that you can pick up, you can put down at any time and play for whatever length of time you have. Two minutes, five hours, whatever you have, that's what the developer wants here. He wanted it to have a purpose more than just playing it for the sake of playing, but not a purpose so grandiose that it would drive players away. So for the example, lifetime leaderboards, they're dominated by the same person forever, potentially, unless somebody dedicates enough time to maybe overthrow them. That can definitely be disencouraging when you see a score on a leaderboard, especially this day and age where sometimes it just feels like a lot of those scores at the top on online games, you're like, are they real? Have they cheated? You know, things like that there where something like in this game where it's a daily leaderboard, you can get some real satisfaction about being in the top 100 or the top 10. And then the next day it's all gone. It was short lived, but then you can get back at it and it makes you feel all good inside. He really wanted the neon vector graphics and this is just kind of how he imagined and wished 80s games had looked like. So, so I can definitely back that up and say yes, it, 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 it looks like the 80s. Like it might not look how 80s games were but it looks like the 80s. It looks like you just, you just downloaded 1980s and you uploaded it into this game. That's, that's what happened. Uh, on to question two where I asked Biggest challenge in creating Vector? 
and from a technical standpoint the biggest challenge for this game was to get the upside down roads working because the ship is moving so fast the unity collision detection breaks so you have to write some custom code that does some math to detect if the ship is in the area of the influence of an upside down road then rotate it at the correct angle and make it strafe left and right at the angle it was supposed to on a normal x-axis very complex stuff and I think it's interesting when we as gamers, like we play these games, but we don't really think about how something would work or how a mechanic is created and, and maybe the, the problems behind that. And that's why I kind of asked this question because I think it's interesting to kind of learn. He also mentions that he's wrote more details on this over on his Patreon, which I will definitely link to in my show notes along with everything to do with Vector. But I was also interested just to hear on a personal level of how creating a video game because Vector it's developed by one person, one person only and I think that's really incredible when we have these games that are just created by a solo project and having to deal with kind of everything there with regards to putting that game together and on a general basis he finds time management to be a big problem in a very different way than you think uh, because he says he has quite an obsessive personality and doesn't like letting things go unfinished and obviously if you're creating a video game that's not something you can just finish in a weekend it takes a lot of time so you can't just go dark for a few days and, and get that done so so Tanasa says that he'll pour every waking minute into trying to finish something he started when making an ongoing game it's just not possible he has a job he has a wife and he can't just ignore them when he's playing with cubes in unity learning discipline is a thing I'm doing the hard way and as someone who freelancers as well it's not quite the same but yeah having that work game dev and life balance so it's like three things there that you're trying to balance and ever since I started three actual lives and have been looking more behind the veil of how video games are created and just taking a little bit of a step back and I know as a consumer of video games and you know we when you play a game you want it to to feel right you want it to meet all your expectations inside and when that doesn't happen for me, it doesn't make me angry, it just makes me go, okay, well, maybe I divert my attention to something else that satisfies that. I don't, I don't feel the need to criticize or attack a developer for doing that, but I know that, I know it's a default for many out there, which is very frustrating to see. I mean, there's one thing being constructive in giving feedback about a bug, but I think a lot of time it gets a bit too personal and I, I don't think it's necessary or appropriate at all. So I finished off by saying, where do you see Vector in three years time? And Tornasa says that right now he's not out for making a profit. Like I mentioned, it's free right now. And his intention is to have it free forever on all platforms. He wants to port it over to everything that will have him. Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, mobile, the Switch announcement. I'm waiting for that. That instantly gets me excited because I think this game would be wondrous on the Switch. Well, I mean, pretty much any indie game is wondrous on the Switch and just being able to carry that outside your house. And the reasoning behind this, and I think it's very noble, that it seems the, the world has run out of truly free games and you can get a new Switch and what do you play? You can get a bundle, but that costs extra. What if you wake up on Christmas Day, your favorite Santa brought you a Switch and you have nothing to download, no stores are open. There's freemium games like Fortnite, but they're called freemium for a reason. More so, what if you come from a less privileged country where 10 to $50 could be as much as your week's salary? So it's 
it's more about making a game that's accessible for everyone. And I, I would agree that I think there's definitely a nature to free games along the lines of mobile gaming where there's some nefarious practices in there. There are some free games out there that I think are doing it right. But I think, yes, it, it, it isn't many of them that are truly doing it from anything other than a business perspective. And something else that was mentioned was that developers a lot of times are disconnected from the community and that can happen for a lot of reasons. It usually means the end product suffers. There's also the valid point made by developers that if you implement everything the community wants, you're gonna have a bad product because the community doesn't know what it wants. It wants to see what happens when you give a strong voice to your community and actually implement what they suggest in a smart way. And he has some development rules, including a zero bug backlog approach. The idea is to have as few known bugs sitting in the queue to be dealt with as possible. Uh, but the downside is that there might be releases that bring absolutely nothing new but bug fixes. And that's fine because the community loves to see you listen to their woes. And I have noticed with this game that almost every day that I've been playing it, that there's been a little update. Nothing substantial, but it's letting you know that, hey, this game is like getting attention. This game is being updated like every day and you just see that version number tick up and yeah, it's a couple of bug fixes, but sometimes that can be the difference between something being enjoyable and not enjoyable. So I really think as gamers, we can appreciate that approach. And also, almost all feature suggestions are taken on board. They go through a sanity check when proposed by someone. Are they possible? Are they feasible? Do they make sense? And if they pass, it goes into a voting site, very similar to Reddit. There, patrons decide which feature gets implemented first by voting on their priority. And I just go and pick up the top requested feature and implement it. Of course, I retain some dev discretion. Maybe there's just something I really disagree with but I'm usually very easygoing. The community loves the power they get to steer the game. Appropriate pun there, not intended. I get to make an amazing thing and everyone is happy all around. Where it produces a quality end result remains to be seen, I guess. But just to finish off on that, I would say that Vector, go check it out. As you can hear from the words right from the developer's mouth that I'm saying here, it's a real passion project and it's more than a game. This game is only an alpha so there is a long way to go for this game and I'm excited to follow its journey. I really appreciate Taranasis sending me really detailed answers to these questions because it's a great insight for me and hopefully for you listener to kind of hear about a developer going through how they put together games and just how they even come up with a game. So like I mentioned I'll have links for everything to do with Vector over in my show notes over at 3xlifes.com. There'll be links to Taranasis's socials, to the game itself over on Steam, and I'll throw a link to the Patreon in there too if you're interested in helping shape the destiny of this game. Go check it out. It's Vector by Taranasis. It's trivia time, so we're making history here on 3 Extra Lives because this question is brought to you by Taranasis, the developer of Vector. So, here we go. What is the name of the first ever 3D space trading game released in 1984 by David Brabin and Ian Bell and originally published by Acornsoft? Hint, like Vector, this game employed the use of Vector graphics, but unlike Vector, these 
were true vector graphics. The answer is Elite. If you didn't get it right, why not send a tweet over to Taranasis and say, What the hell, man? What was that? Because it wasn't my question, it was Taranasis. All Taranasis' fault if you didn't get it right. But if you did get it right, you're awesome! Give yourself an extra life! Over the weekend of the 16th and 17th of November 2019, the first ever ExileCon took place. Now, ExileCon is an event hosted by Grinding Gear Games, and they make a game called Path of Exile. Now, that's a free-to-play action role-playing video game, which was released in October 2013, and it was later released on Xbox One in August 2017, and the PlayStation 4 version actually came out this year in March 2019. So you might have heard of it, you might have dabbled in it a long time ago, or you might not have heard of it at all. But if you haven't, it's basically like the free version of Diablo, and some might say that it's a lot better than Diablo, it's a lot more in-depth, it's a lot more supported than Diablo. I'm not going to get into the, uh, the logistics of who's doing it better. I wanted to tip my hat to Grinding Gear Games because at ExileCon 2019, they announced, well, a lot of things actually. They announced that Path of Exile would be coming out on mobile. Also at ExileCon, Path of Exile 2 got announced. Now this was really interesting to me because as someone who's played a little bit of Path of Exile, I would no means call myself an expert in this game at all, but I've dabbled a little bit over the last year and really appreciate what it's doing as a free-to-play game. There's an expansion release for this game every three months, which keeps the game really fresh, really engaged with the community as it pumps out this content on a regular basis. Now, Path of Exile 2 comes hot on the heels of a certain Diablo 4 announcement, and much like Diablo 4, Path of Exile 2 won't be out there for a few years, at least, with probably the beta not starting until late 2020. The thing I really liked about this game announcement was that everything that they've built, that they've worked on in Path of Exile, that's going to be in Path of Exile 2 because actually Path of Exile 2 is going to be in Path of Exile. Am I making any sense? What's happening here is they're introducing a whole new storyline. Both Path of Exile games will connect into the same endgame so you can still experience the classic Path of Exile story or you can play through this new story. That's all going to connect and feed into one endgame and anything that you've acquired purchase with regards to cosmetic items that's all staying in the game this basically is a sequel to a game that's happening within the game it's getting a, an engine overhaul it's getting some new gameplay features which haven't been revealed yet but it's building on the foundations of path of exile and everything that that game includes because like i say it has expansions every three months where they implement some new game system which when you think about it would be a bit of a shame if they were to just push over a new sequel and you kind of forget about the game that came first and this philosophy this direction that Path of Exile is taking it really excites me because to know that there is a game out there that has been going for six years now and 
we're going to be seeing the second iteration of this game, but it's still going to be included within the first game. This game just, to me, looks like it has so much longevity. It looks like the developers just want to make this game last. And I see it all the time with, you're playing this AAA title and then two years later, they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're making the, the second one now. You can just forget about the, the one that came before. And it's really, and I find that really disheartening because when I go into these online games, you know, when you're playing with other people, especially like those games where you create your character and you're putting all that love and that energy into your character and you're building a legacy with this character only to find that you're two years down the road and you have to start all over again in a very similar environment, maybe with some little tweaks and and some new gameplay features. I'm not saying that all games have to do this because sometimes you just need to take a blank slate and, and start afresh when it comes to certain game engines and just taking that whole new perspective sometime if you're maybe rebooting a franchise or something like that. But I really appreciate what Grinding Gears games are doing over at Path of Exile. The only thing I'm holding out for is a Nintendo Switch version, but if you've never played Path of Exile, if you have any interest in the isometric RPGs, if you ever played Diablo and got a kick out of that, and you're looking for something with just maybe another layer of complexity, Path of Exile really does offer that. And I think it's one of those games that when I first tried it out, probably not too long after it released in 2013. It was very overwhelming, it was very daunting, very confusing, but actually I've gone back in the last year, like I said, and it's not as daunting anymore. There's a lot of systems. There's this mammoth skill tree, which it's so in-depth that honestly you don't know where to start. And if you don't read any guides or information about the game, it really will seem like, wow, what am I doing? But you know what? Sometimes that's fun. These days, we're encouraged to, oh, go find the most effective strategy or go and make sure you're doing everything to 100% efficiency. And you know what I like to do? I like to just go and play the game and probably do it wrong and maybe learn that way. That's okay to do. Just go in and figure it out. That For me, that's part of the gaming process is actually figuring something out and definitely want to watch if you've never ventured in there or if you have before and you kind of put it down, maybe check it out. There's an expansion coming out in December called The Conquerors of the Atlas and that's going to be introducing more end game stuff. So actually, if you haven't played for a while, it's probably not going to affect you straight away, but there is some cool little reworks for bows and rare items and a few other features in there that you'll see from the start because I feel like when they do throw in some updates to this game you can see them and experience them straight away with, with regards to gameplay elements in this game. So go check it out, that's Path of Exile, Grinding Gear Games, lots of cool stuff coming from there out of ExileCon. I'll be keeping a close eye on that one and we shall see what happens. It's trivia time, so we're talking about Path of Exile, and this is a real stretch, but you know, I was thinking about the path, and most gardens have a path, so this is how I came to this question, and it's a name the game. This is a tower defense and strategy video game developed and originally published by PopCap Games, which released in May 
2019, which required the gamer to place shrub-like elements in a strategic positions in a garden in defense of an oncoming horde. The answer is plants versus zombies. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. And here we are at the end of the show. How did you do on the trivia this week? Why not let me know over on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram after we extra lives. Always love to know how you're doing on the questions. Like always, you can email the show at podcastaftereactualize.com if you've got any feedback about the show. Did you like the segment about Vector and getting a bit more behind the scenes from the developer there? Do you have any recommendations for indie games of your own for me to check out and talk about on here? I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email and let's talk. And like always, you can find all the information that I've talked about on the show. Links to absolutely everything that I have mentioned on this level of 3 Extra Lives over at 3actualize.com. Head over there. I make it very easy for you to find what I've been speaking about. And that's it, my friends. We have reached the end. I thank you all very much for listening. And I'll see you all in level 33. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.